This podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. Nerd Wallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending. Some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, everyone. I'm back with another book tour bonus episode of Next Question. Today, we are headed to the Golden State, San Francisco, where I got to talk to everyone's favorite Instagram buddy, Leslie Jordan. We had a blast, and I think you will too. My next guest really needs no introduction with all due respect to David Letterman. So we all got to know him during the early days of the pandemic. I thought his Instagram was so damn funny. I just had to meet him, albeit virtually. And let's just say we took a liking to each other. I've since learned about his incredible, unique life story and just how talented he really is. I mean, he can do it all. I am so excited for you all to get to know the wonderful Leslie Allen Jordan. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. I am so happy you're here. Is it hot in here or is it me? What is the deal with this theater? I am like, I've already gone through menopause. What the hell is happening? So talk to us, mister. Tell us what's going on. Well, what is going on? I'm doing a television show called Call Me Cat with uh, Maya Bialik, who you may know from, oh, you know her from everything. She was Blossom and she had uh, the, uh, oh, what's that with uh, um, Jim oh, Parsons? The Big Bang the Theory? The Big Bang Theory. She was Amy on The Big Bang Theory for years. So I've got that going on. I'm going to be, um, I've got this whole other career that I just fell into. I'm going to be a rock singer or like a hymn singer. I don't know what you're going to call me. I've got an album called Companies Coming. And I made a list of, and I'm not a singer, but I, for some reason, 
hymns, just old Southern hymns, I can sing. Oh, you wouldn't believe. I know. Because in church they said, just sing out for the Lord. And so I would sing. But I came up with a list of everybody I thought I'd like to sing a hymn with and put together, and every one of them said yes. Dolly Parton, um, uh, oh, everybody. Ben Skill. Yeah, everybody. And that's so sad. And you, well, we're going to talk about Eddie that. Eddie Vedder. We're going to talk about that in a minute. In oh, fact, okay. we got it. No, 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 it's totally fine. I got a clip because I want to show everyone how cute you look in your country outfit. I like your glasses. Where did I get them? You got them in the lobby. I got them from you. <laughs> Those are your caddis glasses from the Going yes. There tour. But let's talk, Leslie, let's talk first about this whole phenomenon that you created on Instagram. You, during the pandemic, you started posting. You moved back to Chattanooga, where you're from, stayed with your mama, mm -hmm. and you started posting things on Instagram. We're going to take a look at one of them. And it's so random, but so adorable. Let's, let's watch. Well, shit. <laughs> what are y'all doing? <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> it's still March. How many days in March? When is April gonna fucking get here? <laughs> well, my... My mother holding up the steps asking me who I'm talking to. I'm talking to my friends. Mama, <laughs> quit bothering me. <laughs> How much more this can I take? <laughs> so you just did these sort of funny stream of consciousness videos and you ended up, you, you started, you had kind of maxed out at 80,000 followers and then you're, you're like, you have six million followers now, Leslie. So why do, you think, why do you think so many people gravitated to your feed during the pandemic? What was going on there? Well, you know, my mother said to me, why, why would you talk like that? <laughs> all those people, you weren't raised to talk like that because I said, fucking. And <laughs> I said, bought you a condo. <laughs> <laughs> so, but what happened was I started, I was a marketing genius and I didn't even know it because I knew I didn't want to talk about politics, I didn't want to talk about religion, and I didn't want to sell anybody anything. So for, I didn't even know what content, you know, the, I wake up in the morning now and I think, I got to come up with some content, you know, I got to post something. Back then I posted twice a day for 80 days, just whatever you know and what and how did people react and you must have gotten so many dms and as you as i said so many followers what were they saying to you you know they were they were wonderful because they were saying you know it's so tough right now you know people would come up to me in the grocery store and saying i'm stuck at i was stuck at home with my husband and my kids and i would just i just needed a dose of you every day and i realized the power of comedy you know just pure comedy just, you know, I'd, and as I said, I didn't try to sell anybody. I'm rethinking that part. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, you know, and, and, and stuck in Tennessee, and my phone rang early on because it jumped from, like you said, 20, I had 20 or 30, 40,000, and then 
uh, Megan Mullally from my Will and Grace days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, back to me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that bit stole my thunder for eight years. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, she's a dear friend of mine. But anyway, Megan Mullally reposted and I jumped to about, you know, I guess, I don't know, 80,000 and I thought, wow. And then I don't know what happened. You know, I don't know how that works. But my friend called and said, Leslie, honey, you have gone viral. And I said, no, I'm in Tennessee. I don't have COVID. I'm fine. <laughs> he said, no internet viral. And it just. Well, people, I mean, you just spread so much joy and you do make people smile and <laughs> laugh. And, you know, I was talking to Oralee Brown. I don't know if you heard our conversation, but she's just an amazing woman. Grew up in Mississippi, one of 12 kids, the daughter of sharecroppers. And I wanted to talk, I'm fascinated about people's childhoods and what makes them tick. You were, you were born and raised in Chattanooga, Tennessee. You have t twin sisters. Twin sisters, 22 months. They're twins and 22 months younger than me. So tell us a little bit about your childhood, Leslie. Well, you know, uh, my, my mother was 19 when I was born. Daddy was 22. You think back, you think, my God, just babies, raising babies. But we were never at home. You know, we were always on the go. Um, my, uh, my, my mother and my maternal grandmother, her mother, I think took one look at little Leslie and thought, he's gonna need some help. <laughs> because, you know, I wasn't like the other uh, boys. I didn't play, I didn't like sports. You know, and they created, they circle the wagons as only good Southern mothers can do. <laughs> yeah. They circle those wagons and created this um, amazing little secret garden where I could play with dolls. You know, I could twirl a baton. You know, I could do whatever I wanted to do. But <laughs> then, you know, you just knew you don't tell daddy, you know, don't. Because I would, I would sew doll clothes. I said, I'm gonna show daddy. No, no, don't show daddy. Let's just don't show daddy. And then, you know, my dad would come home. He was a lieutenant colonel in the army. I was not exactly the son he envisioned. And so he would, and I would be twirling a baton in the front yard. You know? And then, you but know. But he adored me. He, he did. adored me. And, and, and you lost him when you were just 11 years 11. old. 11. What he, happened? He was flying. He was in the Army Reserves by then, and he was flying to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and this plane, there were 10 men on it, just undershot the runway. It was just, but you know, a terrible time for a kid to lose his dad, you know, and especially, and it's so funny because I thought that maybe. I had been somewhat of a disappointment to him. And um, I mentioned that to my mother and she was flabbergasted. She said, your daddy adored you. You know, but it's just, I don't know. You know, I felt like, cause I wasn't good. And then she told me this crazy story. She said, you know, when you were little, we took you to a wedding and uh, uh, Alan, my dad kept saying, Peggy, he's not gonna sit still. I'm a very excitable boy. <laughs> and I, it, they were right. I was up, I was down. And mother thought, well, I'm going to have to take him out. And mother said, all of a sudden, the bride swept down the aisle. And she said, I just froze like a pointer dog. Like, <laughs> and 
couldn't get that bright, and all I could talk about when I got home, and I made up a, a game called Bright and Goon, and I was the bright. I had, I had an angel food cake pan on my head. And I'd taken Mother's white terrycloth bathrobe and slipped it on backwards. It was empire waist. It was beautiful. It was, and I had, and I made my cousin Karen uh, walk me around. She, I made her be the goon and walk me all around my house. And then for Christmas, I wanted a bride doll. That's what I wanted. And my daddy said to my mother, "I'm not going to get him a bride doll, Peggy. I'm just not." You know, you're we're talking the 50s. You know, we're talking the 1950s. And I'm wanting a bride doll. And so mother said, well, let's just don't mention it again and maybe he'll forget about it. You know, but mm -mm, it's all I could talk about <laughs> Christmas Eve. So mother said, well, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're going to say to him in the morning, Alan. But, and so she heard the front door shut and my daddy went out. This would have been 19, well, I was whatever, 58 and bought his, his three-year-old son the most beautiful bride doll. Mother said it was, it was in, in a box of cellophane, and she said, when I came down the steps and I saw her under the tree, I squatted in the floor and peed. Everywhere. I just peed all over the <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> so you have talked about the fact that if you hadn't lost your dad when you were 11 years old as a as a gay teenager, it, you might not have come out, or how would that have affected sort of your journey and, and being open about your sexuality? You know, I don't know. I told my mother, you know, people say, well, when did you come out? I sort of fell out of the womb <laughs> <laughs> into her high heels. So you have to have been in to come out. And I don't know how I negotiated that, but I, I just, you know, I, I remember in high school, I'd sit people down, I would say, listen, I have a secret. I need to tell you um, I'm gay. And they'd go, and? Like, what's the secret? <laughs> You're gay and you murdered somebody? It sounds like your father was very supportive of you. He was supportive, and I just wonder, you know, I just wonder what, what it would have been like you know, who knows? He loved me, so I cannot imagine, you know, someone who bought their three-year-old son a bride doll, you know, being upset, you know. Yeah, you're the one that bought me the bride doll. You made me this way. <laughs> <laughs> More with the one and only Leslie Jordan right after this. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. 
Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. So it's so fascinating. You, you grow, grow up in, in Chattanooga, and then you go to UT Knoxville, and you take a, an acting class or, you know, just kind of to fulfill some kind of requirement. And then I know you said it performing hit you like a drug. It was just, I couldn't, I, I wanted to be a, journal, a journalist. I was a journalism major, and I took intro to theater for my uh, arts elective. And that afternoon, I went to the head of the department and I said, what do I, this, what, what do I do? He said, well, first let's learn how to pronounce. He because the, it was, I was saying, uh, uh, theater. The, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm gonna get a degree in theater. He goes, it's theater. Uh-huh, theater. I want to get me a degree in theater. So. And, but, but you obviously fell in love with acting. Got on a bus. $1,200 that my mother sewed into my underpants. <laughs> I had no fear. I had no fear back then. It, I just think back on it, it just makes me tired. I got on a bus, $1,200 pinned into my underpants, my degree in theater and a tiny suitcase, and I got off at the corner of Hollywood and Vine. Which it, so you're 22 years old at the time? No. I was older than that by then, I think. Yeah. And you got there, you got to Hollywood, and I know your mom said, if it doesn't work out, you can come home. She said, and you'll have a standing ovation. Ah, that's so sweet. And, and so, what was it like when you first got to Hollywood, trying to break into the business? Because, you know. Well, it was interesting because it was very wink, wink. Because you would go out at night to the gay bars and you would dance and this and that. And you would see everybody. You would see producers, you would see actors and this and that. But in the daytime, you know, <coughs> very wink, wink, you know. And I had representation uh, 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 that were gay. My agent was gay. Everybody was gay. They told me, now, they would call me up and say, now listen, feet on the ground. Put your voice in your lower register, you know, la, 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 don't go in there, hey, 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 take it down, you know, take it down a notch. <laughs> well, I wore cowboy boots and I had a mustache. Can you imagine? You mean... <laughs> My friend looked back and said, who does she think she's fooling? <laughs> but that, you also had, you struggled back in those days, Leslie. You had some pretty dark days. You had problems with substance mm -hmm. abuse. You ended up in jail. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, what do you think made your life unravel once you got to Hollywood? I don't know. I just think 
I really, I've, I've always, you know, around the rooms of recovery, they talk of this gene, you know, that addictive people have. And I think, I used to think, oh, bullshit, you're just infantilism, just need to grow up. No, there's something, as I see it in my family, you know, with one twin who, who we've had, the dark twin, you know, she's had problems. And I think, I don't know, I don't know what it was. I do think that once I got sober, I was 42 years old, and I remember thinking, um, I, my friend said to me, you're a, and this is a terrible thing to say, but he said, you're a fag-hating fag, honey. And I said, what do you mean? And, and he said, you, you have so much self-hatred, you know, so a lot of that was internal homophobia. That's just what it was. It was the shame, you know, having been brought up in the church. Also, I've been baptized 14 times. We're not going to go down that road. But anyway, <laughs> but just accepting something that I knew, you know, was me. I, mean, I was born this way. And so, anyway, it took years and years and years of, um, I'm glad I got into recovery because they, you don't go over your problems, you don't go under your problems, you go through. And, and, um, and you're doing well now. I'll tell you a really funny story, though. When I first got into recovery, my spiritual advisor said, your greatest fear, Leslie, and fear is what drives us to drink and drug. Your greatest fear is heterosexual men. I said, well, no shit. It wasn't exactly a picnic on the playground, you know. And he said, well, I want you to join a stag recovery group, all men. And I said, oh, I was scared to death. I don't know why. So I went and joined this recovery group. There were 50 of the butchest men you've ever seen. And my, my, my advisor said, I want you to walk right up to the podium, and I want you to tell them I am scared to death of you men. And so right before the meeting started, I called him, and I said, do you think I should just tell them that I'm gay just right off the bat? He goes, Honey, you've got to walk to the podium. <laughs> They're going to know. <laughs> you, you know what's, what I think is so interesting too, that while you're in the throes of some of your really tough days, you were ministering to, to AIDS victims because yes. you were in California at the height of the crisis. And I'm curious what motivated you to do that and what you learned from that experience. Well, you know, what happened was, and it's, it's when, when the pandemic started, I remember thinking to myself, I've been through this on some scale. I kept thinking, and it hit me like in 1982, here we were, gay men were dropping like flies. We couldn't get help from anyone. The government was not really helping us. And we had, I remember looking at one another and saying, we're gonna have to take care of our own. And so all these, you know, groups started and um, I got very involved with an organization called Project Nightlight, which was all we did was sit with men who were in hospice near the end and um, and so all of that was happening on top of, it was a very tumultuous time, but I look back and I don't, I'm not, it wasn't a sad time for me. You know, we galvanized and I, I, I'm hoping kind of that the same thing is gonna happen as we come through this pandemic, 
Because what happened was, after it was all over, the gay community, we were, we were strong. We were more apt to reach out to one another, to help one another. We'd all been through it together. And I'm hoping maybe with this pandemic that we'll come out the other end. And as, because this doesn't know, you know, gay, straight, white, black, all over the world, you know, maybe we can come through this and uh, be kinder, you know, be, be, be more willing to... Wouldn't that be nice? Woo! Wouldn't Brother, that be nice? Brother Jordan's in the pulpit. <laughs> I mean, you know, I write in my book about how, you know, first of all, your big break came in Will and Grace when you uh -huh. played um, Beverly Leslie. And it was a, a role originally for Joan Collins, but it landed in your lap somehow, <laughs> Leslie. I mean, and, and, and I write a lot in my book about how much change we've actually witnessed when it comes to gay rights, you know, I covered Matthew Shepard, that mm. darling boy who was beaten to death in mm -hmm. Wyoming, and talked about, you know, all kinds of issues facing the gay community. Then I, you know, fast forward 17 years, I interviewed Jim Obergefell, the plaintiff uh, in the same-sex yeah. marriage uh, ruling of, by the Supreme Court. And when you look at the strides that have made, been made, and granted, not everywhere, in the country, yeah, but in general, but, do you feel heartened by that? And, and, and did you ever think in your lifetime, growing up as a little boy in Chattanooga, Tennessee, that we would see a culture where there's much more acceptance? I thought I was the only queer on the planet. I thought I was the only one. I mean, I, who, what, would I, what would I know? I was in an elevator in Denver one time and there was a lady a little lady there, and she said, I, I love your work. I said, oh, thank you, you know, I wasn't really paying attention. And she said, my name's Judy Shepard. And I burst into tears, and we got off the elevator and talked in depth about all that. But, you know, to have been uh, on the forefront of all of this, you know, um, and I'm very proud, you know, sometimes, it's funny, I, I saw two guys sitting side by side holding hands not too long ago, and I walked by the table, I said, I just love this. I said, I hope you kids realize, you know, what we went through, they're like, uh-huh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> and I thought, oh, I don't want to be that one, you know, that old <laughs> We went through the war, you have no idea what the... They don't want to hear it, you know, they're going to have their own thing, and, but, you know, I'm proud, I'm proud to have been a part of all that. We'll be right back. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending. Some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. 
Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You have so much going on as you were talking about. You've got this show with me... uh, Maya Bialik, yes. she's doing Jeopardy. She's doing a great job, yes. don't you think? Yes. And you've got this country album, which was, you, you, right? You recorded these songs that you were mentioning with all these famous country artists. And I, you look so cute in your outfit. I wanted to show a video <laughs> of you singing with Vince Gill. I think we cued that up. Can you oh guys roll God. that? If I was a liar, tell you what I'd do. I think I'd quit my life. I mean, it's so great to see you just being discovered by so many people, and you're having so much fun, Leslie, doing all these things. You wrote a book, you've got an album, you've got this show. Do you sometimes say you want to pinch yourself? Every night, I lay in bed and I just think, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And you know, this was, I'm a Tennessee boy, so to be doing the Ryman, you know, the Ryman Theater, it was just... Beyond anything, I you like know. the fringe. Yes, well, <laughs> I've got a new one. I'm doing the rhyming again on the 30th of November, and I've got a, a brand new outfit. Good. So. <laughs> Before we go, we got a quick lightning round, Leslie Jordan. Oh, can well, we do it? Yes. Okay. Here we go. What's your favorite country artist, or who's your favorite country artist? Dolly Parton. Okay. Uh, mine are the chicks. Okay, ah. what is your what is your favorite home cooked meal? Uh, b- beef stew. My mother's be- my my mother's beef stew. Okay, I like Aunt Ina Garten's chicken. Okay, mm. what's your go to karaoke song? Um, um, uh, oh, the one about I remember it all. Fancy, <laughs> I remember it all very well. Just because I know the words. What? What? what it's is that? Reba McIntyre. But see, I was a big fan of um, Bobby Gentry, oh. who wrote. Uh, I remember it all very well. Looking back, it was the summer I turned 18. It's a girl singing it, but anyway. <laughs> Mine is Crazy by Patsy Cline. Oh, I love that. Okay, what's a, what would be your dream job if you weren't doing what you're doing? Something to do with horses. Really? Yeah. I'm back. I, I rode my whole life, and I'm back riding, 66 years old. And I went over to the Los Angeles Equestrian Center, 
And I said, um, and I just walked into a barn, but it, it was a barn that handles show horses, saddlebreds. I always rode like hunter jumpers, but these, you sit back and you look pretty and I'm gonna start showing horses. Are you? Yes. Good for you. Okay, uh, mine would be cabaret singer. Oh. Okay, what's your happy place? Uh, on Ambien. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've had several awful things. I took an Ambien one time and I woke up and um, I had ordered, uh, I had th thought I got too fat at Christmas and I had ordered in a sl Slim Fast and they sent me boxes of food for Slim Fast and I had about, I think there were 68 desserts and I took an Ambien and ate all 68 desserts. Come on. <laughs> You, you, that happens. You sleepwalk and you eat. You eat. That can happen. I'm not going to do that again. Okay. Um, all right. What's your, we got two more. What's your favorite movie? My favorite movie is Coal Miner's Daughter. Oh, I love I that movie, love that too. Movie. Sissy Spacek, right? Sissy Spacek. As Loretta Lynn. Uh-huh. And LaVon Helm was in it, who I've loved him with the... Anyway, LaVon Helm. Y'all know who that is. I do. Some of them. LaVon Helm played her daddy in the movie, but he started a group called The Band. I pulled into Nazareth, just feeling that Oh yeah, of course. That's LaVon Helm. Oh yeah, we, of course, of course. All right. The night they drove old Dixie down. That's LaVon. Yeah, oh, I love him. I didn't, I didn't understand who you were saying. Okay, and what are you most excited about now that you're such a big deal, Leslie Jordan? I think that I'm excited that um, I'm at a place in my life, I'm 66 years old, I've pretty much accomplished what I set out to do, and so everything, it just seems like is gravy now. So I have no big thoughts, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. I've done it all, and so there's something, you know, they always tell you, just live it one day at a time. Well, yeah, that's not easy, but, but I'm trying to do that. And you're just having fun. I'm having a ball. Well, thank you for coming out. Katie Couric. Leslie Jordan. <laughs> thank you, honey. Thank you, thank you. Thank Come see me at the Ryman. Thank you again to my friend Leslie Jordan. And if you don't follow him already on Instagram, well, shit, what are you waiting for? He's the Leslie Jordan. Next Question with Katie Couric is a production of iHeartMedia and Katie Couric Media. The executive producers are me, Katie Couric, and Courtney Litz. The supervising producer is Lauren Hansen, associate producers Derek Clements and Adriana Fazio. The show is edited and mixed by Derek Clements. For more information about today's episode or to sign up for my morning newsletter, Wake Up Call, go to katiecouric.com. You can also find me at katiecouric on Instagram and all my social media channels. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. 
visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.